Hey, welcome to episode seven of the Slightly Fuzzed podcast. Shout out to Trillion Ton Beryllium Ships on this episode. Their song Empty Boat is on the Slightly Fuzzed playlist on Spotify. Up next, we have Andy Shardlow. Andy Shardlow from the King's Pistol. Thank you for being here, man. Pleasure. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've followed you for a while on Instagram. That's where I really kind of first got to know you and heard about the King's Pistol and and more. Um, and I, I've talked about this on every single podcast, I think. And I swore I would, I would stop saying it at a certain point, but this scene is so supportive of one another and you are the perfect example of that. You're always sharing other people's music and, showing the vinyl that you've got and sharing people's projects and concerts. And you've shared some of my stuff. And you're, you're super supportive of, of all sorts of people. And uh, I appreciate that. And I'm sure that, that many others out there do as well. Uh, well, yeah, uh, you know, Instagram has been a huge support to us as a band. And I think, you know, I was thinking about this today and I was thinking back in the day when I was a lot younger, we had a very good local scene and all the bands would support each other then. And the way I kind of see social media and Instagram as a platform, it's, it's that scene, but a lot bigger, you know? So I'm always happy to share what I'm into, what I'm listening to, whenever everyone gives a shit, you know, I don't do it for any kind of kudos or anything. I do it because I find new music and new bands via the people I follow and I kind of think we're all kind of like-minded people. So if I found a band that I think, you know what, I reckon a good percentage of our followers are like that, I'll I'll share it up. And that's how it kind of builds. I hope that people <laughs> share our stuff up and then eventually, you know, our following grows. And, and that's kind of worked. You know, we've managed to sell records in countries and areas that we couldn't have ever got by doing live gigs. You know, it just social media has worked really well in that. So, yeah. You know, I'm always happy to share stuff in stories and, and things like that because I kind of run the pages part band, but part me as well as a bass player in the King's Pistol. So it allowed me to put a lot more of my personality across and the kind of thing. Because, you know, I listen to a lot of sort of stoner force side, whatever, but we're not that at all. You know, we're, we're a rock and roll band. So, but it allows me to kind of put my own personal taste into it and it's kind of it's worked both ways you know from that we've managed to find ourselves in a in a scene that we didn't think we would get into uh, and yeah. we seem to sit along next quite happily next to stoner bands so jobs are good and i say yeah and and i it's you've shared so many things over this the few months that i've known you mm-hmm. that it's gotten hard for me sometimes to know where your projects and and the things that you're just being supportive of begin. So I wanted to ask you kind of the list and you can kind of tell me which ones are yours for sure and the ones that you're just fans of or friends with or, or that kind of stuff. So I have a little list here. I'm just gonna fire them off and, and then we can kind of get into the, that kind of stuff. So the King's Pistol obviously is kind of your main project at least for that. That, that, is, Instagram. that is my band, yeah. Yeah, Wild Fuzz Trip. Artega, Devil's Witches, yeah. DLD Guitars, The Pedals, yeah. Keepers of the Low End, Bob yeah. and Dope, uh, yeah. Old Horntooth. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's more that I, that I haven't written down, but nice. I know some of those are your projects. Some of them are not. No. Why don't you explain some of those and how the crossover is? Because I know that even like Wild Fuzz Trip has your pedal on the cover. So I'm like, man, there's so many intertwining things here that I need you to sort it out for me. So, okay. First of all, Old Horn Tooth is nothing to do with me other than I'm a big fan of that band. Okay. Uh, Dead Sound guys. uh, I really like what they do. I kind of got, I found them via Spinning the Good Stuff, which is a page on Instagram happens every Sunday it's a live spin so they play the record live and loads of people join in and the band joins in and everyone chats away and it's really cool and I found Old Horn Tooth via there and I just think the Dead Sound guys I think it's a great you know it's a great album and that's why I share their stuff because I think they're funny uh, and I like their music. Uh, Wild Fuzz Trip I did guest based for Wild Fuzz Trip on Distant Planets so that's why my face is on the cover, and that's why the whole EP is based around uh, my cat Hendrix and one of the Wild Fuzz guys' cats, Misha. And that's the whole concept of the Wild Fuzz Trip Distant Planets EP, 
is about the two cats going off to find this one fuzz puzzle, uh, fuzz pedal to rule the world. The fuzz <laughs> pedal's got my face on it. I said to Diego from Wild Fuzz Trip, I said, wouldn't it be cool to make that pedal on the cover a reality? As luck would have it, Diego makes guitar pedals. So he said, let's do it. So then he said, we'll call it the Beard Fuzz. I said, that's absolutely fine with me. Uh, we asked Stephen Yoda if we could use the art. He said, cool, go for it. And that's how we ended up with the Beard Fuzz pedal. So yeah. he's made 10 of those, which have sold out worldwide, which is mad to think that people around the world are stamping on my face, which is kind of weird. Uh, but yeah, so... Always happy to support Wild Fours. They are top guys. Uh, I've just literally had a message from them, actually, about the possibility of travelling out to see him in October to record something else. So that'll be cool. Uh, Devil's Witches, uh, not my band. Again, another guest slot. I was a huge fan, and I'm a huge fan of Devil's Witches music. And I just shared shit up on Instagram. Uh, he kind of clocked me, and then out of the blue... He messaged me and said, uh, do you want to put some bass down for Coven of the Ultra Riff, which was the first release from Majestic Mountain Records, uh, alongside St. Karloff, who, again, huge fan of. I said, of course I'll uh, put bass down for that. And that's then how my link to Majestic Mountain Records started, which is who we've got signed to. Uh, Keeper of the Low End. It's just a dead good guy, dead sound guy, very supportive of us uh, and the pedal and loads of other bands. I'm a bass player. It's all about, you know, bass. It makes sense for me to share it up, doesn't it? So, uh, uh -huh. so yeah, so uh, he's been really cool. Yeah, and I'll, you know, I'll share any old shit. But a lot of the stuff I share is mainly bands I like. Uh, the stuff that I'm kind of involved in, I tend to use on the main wall more. My stories tend to be just for stuff I'm kind of into kind of thing. So, yeah, I think, oh, and Artiaga. Artiaga, okay. Is that, how you, is that how you say it? Yeah. Artiaga. That's how French, yeah. Yeah, Francisco says it. Uh, yeah. Hilarious. Uh, they are so funny because, obviously, they live in uh, Santiago in Chile. Uh, they speak Spanish. I don't. So, trying to communicate to them via WhatsApp is fucking hilarious. When they said to me, uh, I've been a fan of them for ages, and uh, they messaged me and said, look, do you want to put bass down on one of the tracks on the album? I was like, yes, of course. I said, what's the track about? And they said, "It's uh, imagine you're walking through the jungle, Andy, and you see all these like really sexy cannibals, so you get involved in a bit of an orgy, and then they eat you. I was like, oh, yeah. And they were like, play bass like that. I was like, Sounds easy enough. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that. And what I love working about them guys is it's a completely different ethic to how we work as a band. You know, they are very sort of relaxed in their approach, very jam sort of style, whilst the King Pistol are a lot more regimented. Uh, so it was amazing work. You know, I, I love Artiaga. Uh, and I love their, everything about them, the way they work how much they just shove stuff out. I love the artwork because it's the kind of stuff that you would hide from your parents as a kid because it's just full of doom tits and all kinds of yeah. nonsense. Uh, I yeah. love how over the top it is. My good lady wife will not let me put Artiago posters up in the house because we've got an 11-year-old lad. And she's like, no way are you putting all those doom bags up around the house. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that kind of makes me chuckle. And, again, I, you know, they're a dead-supported band. I love what they do. So, yeah, that's how it all kind of linked in. And I think that's it for guests. Lots of it. Yeah. I don't think cool. I've done any more for now. Thank you for, for giving me that rundown because that makes a lot of sense and it's very cool. But but it kind of segues into my next question is how you guys formed the King's Pistol and the sound that you have because I know that you share a lot of Ar Artiaga and Devil's Witches, which tends to be a little bit more occulty, witchy, satanic type of vibe to it. Yeah. And you share a lot of darker stuff like that while yeah. the first time i listened to king's pistol i was like this isn't that at all this is very light and upbeat and i mean there's a saxophone in it this is very different than what i was expecting out of the stuff that you've been sharing so when did that start how did the king's pistol start how the sound form the king's pistol started uh 
the pistol, the singer. He it was a he was in band a band years ago. And we kind of knew each other a bit by the local music scene. Uh, I was in a band. Our drummer Jim, he's actually a singer and a guitarist, a phenomenal guitarist. And I'd been in a band with him uh, called Jimmy Damage in the Shadow for a good while. We were like a really pissed up, bad, shambolic, punk blues band, but we had a good laugh. Uh, and the Pistol saw us live, and he was living in Leeds at the time, or Sheffield, one of them. And he came back and he said, look, I've put these songs together. I'd like you to play bass on them. He says, I just want to do one album, and that's it. And at that time, the King's Pistol was just a solo project. It was just him and an acoustic guitar doing all these like really dark sort of folk noir songs. Uh, so I joined to do what we thought was going to be one album, which was me, The Pistol, and a guy called Steve in a studio, recorded it all live, uh, one take kind of stuff. And it was acoustic music. It was dark country folk. Uh, when we did that, the drummer decided to leave. Uh, and at that point, I knew Jim kind of played drums a little bit. And I thought, I love Jim. I've known him years. He's an ace guy. I thought he'd fit in quite well. I'm sure he can pick up drums eventually. I knew he banged around on a few biscuit tins and stuff. So uh, we got him in. And as luck would have it, he, he managed to learn how to play the drums. So then he recorded the second album with us, uh, which was a bit of a, an odd mix of an album. And then it was only when we did Evil Spirits did we start kind of moving towards the more the sort of sound we're at now. So we did a track, the track Evil Spirits, Black Jesus and stuff. That was a little bit more rock and rolly. And we were like, actually, this is quite a nice vibe that we've kind of got here. So we went off and did an EP called the Pistol Whip TP, which was stripped back rock and roll. And then from that, we kind of then said, actually, we like where we're at with this kind of music. And it wasn't anything like, let's try and be rock and roll or let's do this. It just happened quite organically. We sort of set about, we decided we wanted to put three EPs out really quickly. And we wanted them to be, you know, balls to the wall, full out rock and roll stuff. I messaged Majestic Mountain Records and said, look, this is our idea. Do you want to sign it? They said, yes. And, and, the, rest is, and the rest is kind of history. So that's, why you know that's where we're at sort of musically now the stuff i listen to is completely different to the stuff we play and i think that confuses some people because when you look on our spotify it says people who like the king's pistol like all these other stoner bands and stuff and in some ways i think we've kind of missed out on a bit of a market for ourselves May, probably my fault because of me pushing all the stoner <laughs> stuff but without the the scene as it were we wouldn't be where we are now. And I, I personally wouldn't change that anyway. So I'll yeah. keep in stoner stuff. I do occasionally drop the rock and roll band in to try and mess up the Spotify algorithm. But yeah, you know, and yeah. you know, we played gigs in the past with bands like Red Spectre uh, and bands like, you know, we supported Green Lung, you know, and we went down really well. And we can kind of sit in them kind of gigs type thing you can stick us on with three stoner rock bands and we'll yeah. all own and we'll, we'll you know people will, will dig it so well that's the cool thing about the scene too is that there it's kind of all over the place anyway i mean you know if you get outside of like the sludge and doom stuff you get into like the, the more desert stuff it's pretty yeah. positive upbeat music anyway yeah i think you know, there's, there's a, a catchy quality to it and and your music, the the King's Pistols music, is definitely catchy. It it should be in a movie somewhere. You got to get that uh, the royalty checks coming in for some of that stuff. Money. When we recorded Evil Spirits, we were like, "Fucking hell, why doesn't Quentin Tarantino just phone us up and say, look, 'Look, exactly, the yeah, exactly.'" <laughs> but like you say, catchy stuff. You know, there's an album by band, uh, the band Slow Massa. Super catchy album that is, uh, and I think you know, with with how we're going. You know, you could say we were heavy, a bit heavy psyche in some of the stuff we do. I think the genre in the scene is so massive yeah. that we somehow sit somewhere along bands. You know, I don't think, and people can argue if they want, we're not a million miles away from Crip Trip and stuff like that with that kind of 60s groove stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I guess it, a lot of it depends on how many tits you put on your artwork, depending on what scene you get popular in, really, doesn't it? So yeah, we're not going RTR and having tits over everything. That's for yeah. sure. We'll but there's plenty of bands that are extremely catchy, just as much mm -hmm. as there's plenty of bands that are very clean. They they have clean guitars and a clean sound. There's not a whole lot of distortion. There's a lot of mm -hmm. stuff that is really kind of trippy and vibey and beautiful. Yeah. Just as much of their stuff that's really low and sludgy. So I think you fit right in there just fine. And I think that it, it brings a different a different sound to an already very wide spanning genre anyway, you know? I like to think so, you know, we uh we're trap you know, we enjoy what we do and we certainly we would never sit down and say, All right, we need to write this next lot of songs so we fit into that box. The next, you know, the next album we work on, because we've just recorded the final EP in the trilogy that Majestic will put out. So beyond this, our plan was always to go and do another album. Now we could go backwards and go a bit more down the sort of dark folk country road again, like we did with Evil Spirits, or we, we could go carry on as we are. We, we won't know until we start writing the album, really. Uh, yeah. A lot of it depends on what we're listening to at the time. You know, I've been hammering a lot of 60s music lately, a lot of Cream, uh, the first two UFO albums and stuff like that. And that kind of generates a kind of vibe to the EPs and stuff that we're writing. And Jim and Pistol have got completely different music tastes than me. You know, Jim, our drummer, oh, you know, he loves Fagazzi. He loves Boniver or Bon Iver, however you pronounce it. Uh -huh. uh, the, the Pistol, he's got a really eclectic taste in music. From, and I mean everything from hip-hop, right down to Bonnie Prince Pil Billy and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, I'm a an old-school thrasher at heart. I grew up listening to thrash metal. I was big into thrash as a teenager. And then I discovered uh, jazz fags and went off on a bit of a different direction. Over here, there was a, a big scene called the Manchester scene in the sort of early 90s. So Manchester, it was called, called the Second Summer of Love. And there's bands like the Stone Roses, the Happy Mondays. And everything was really loose and groovy and cool bass lines and stuff. Uh, and I think because of the jazz fags I was smoking at the time, it opened my mind a bit. You couldn't really get that stoned and listen to Exodus. It, it just didn't groove. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of went off on that. Then I got into like acoustic music and, you know, I'm a big Nick Cave fan. You know, you shove all that together and somehow the King's Pistol comes out in that somehow. So. Where did the, the saxophone come from? Uh, the saxophone is a lady called Joe, and we'd kind of been listening to, uh, or Pistol had been listening to Stooges, Brian Ferry, Roxy Music, and uh, we said, yeah, let's let's put some saxophone in. Let's see how it goes. He'd come up with some sort of melodies in his head that he thought would work with the sax, and we said, yeah, let's go for it. And as luck would have it, it worked really well. It adds a nice different, because we've been a three-piece for so long, just, you know, bass, guitar, and drum. <laughs> On like the second album, Jim played slide guitar, a little bit of keyboards on, I think it was Vice and Rip It Up. Uh, but yeah, the sax we just felt would add to that kind of sleazy kind of vibe we were after. Yeah, I thought it was cool. I thought it was a nice addition and, and I, I don't think it's overpowering. For If, if no. someone told me that there was a saxophone involved in something, I'd be like, mm, no thanks. Yeah, we Same didn't with like a, too much synth or something. I'd be like, mm, I'm not really into that. Yeah, we but it, it plays synth. into the, it complements everything really well and I don't think it's overpowering. I thought it, it, it added a whole new element to yeah, very yeah. different music anyway. We didn't want to go like Kenny G and be like big, mm, cheesy. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Terms and shit. We wanted it to sit and carry a melody underneath and catch the ear quite unexpected. You know, yep. it would have been a bit obvious to put a sax solo in, and I don't think it would have worked. Uh, yeah. We don't do big guitar solos. We There is noodling and twiddling going on, but I don't think you would say, oh, you know, solo. And the sax was more to sort of sit as a bed for other stuff and carry like a little melody. And, uh, yeah, Joe Blesser. She's put up with us three, uh, and she's been uh, to the studio with us for three times and survived and remained fairly sane as well. She's not sued us yet. Yeah. Uh, she's not disowned us. Uh, so, yeah, she was a good uh, – the last time we went to the studio, she made us 86 vodka shots, which was very nice of her. Uh, vodka jellies they were on the last night. Ooh, it was messy. Messy. <laughs> 
<laughs> so how's that EP sounding? Is that are you doing something different on that, or is it going to tie in pretty close to like rip it up? Or our idea was to go out with a bang. You know, it's the last EP. Uh, the way we kind of looked at it at the start was Vice is your pre-beers. So they're the beers you're having at home with your mates before you go out. So you're getting like warmed up and getting nice and loose. Rip It Up was the night out where, you know, you think you've had enough drink, but you keep going and you, you're going at it hard and the shots are flowing and you think you're invincible. The next EP was meant to be that kind of, you're not quite ready to go home, but you probably should. And it was going to take us into that. Uh, we think we think it's the best one we've done of the three. The songs are strong. It is different. There's a couple of tracks that are a bit similar to Rip It Up and Vice. But then I think we've gone a bit bigger with the tracks, a bit more sort of hard rock sounding. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're keen to get it mixed and out there. So Chris, he's currently mixing it. We're sending back revisions and stuff, and we keep saying it needs to be harder, it needs to be heavier, it needs more balls, it needs more grit. So, you know, we're getting there with it. It's not done yet because we want it to, you know, we don't want to just put it out and everyone go, oh, yeah, that was all right. We want to put it out and people go, fucking hell. You know, they really right. did finish on a bang on that one. And we think the, the songs are strong enough. It's just whether we can get the sound that we hear in our heads out. You know, we've recorded it. We know what it sounds like in the mixing room. So we just hope it's now down to the the mix, whether and how that comes out. So a bit of a stressful week this week, getting a couple of the mixes back going, <clears throat> it needs to be harder and stuff. So, yeah. So, but that should be out October, November, hopefully. Fingers okay. crossed. Cool. And and then what, then what after that? Are you guys going to play some shows or... Uh, uh... Andy solo, solo project or <laughs> no, I won't do a solo project other than other than just about playing the bass. That's about all I do really. Yeah. Although during lockdown, I got really into garage band, uh, and I'm not very tech savvy at all. So I I loaded up garage band on a Mac, bought myself a little interface, and I wrote some quite bizarre tracks, which I did think about putting on Bandcamp, but then realised I couldn't be asked to set up a Bandcamp. <laughs> So I didn't bother. So they'll, uh, they'll they'll remain a deep dark secret. Maybe I'll release them one day, and and people can dismiss them instantly. Uh, but for us, uh, yeah, I think we you know we want to do some gigs. We never got to gig. Rip it up. You know we were doing loads of gigs. We love playing live. We're very much a live band. And we were gigging shit loads, and then obviously COVID it, and that was it. That was really weird. Really hard to get our heads into. Like what the fuck, what do we do now? You know, we ain't gigging. Yeah. So we've said we've got one gig coming up this Saturday. And beyond that, we haven't really booked anything because we said we want to focus on the EP, get that done and dusted and out, and then look to get gigs uh, sort of next year starting. You know, we'd love to get, you know, the plan was for us to go to Sweden before COVID and do Majestic Fest alongside all the majestic bands uh, that could make it. So our plan is to try and get there and still do that. And we, you know, we've hit the pub circuit big time. We played every pub going and now we want to take it up a next step uh, with our gig. So we want to be pulling some good support slots, building a name further afield and see where it goes. It's hard. Every band at the minute wants gigs. Every fucking band going wants gigs. <laughs> So it was already hard getting gigs anyway. Yeah. So getting them was even harder. So, yeah, you know, we'll just keep doing what we do and do some gigs, write some music, and drink some beers. <laughs> who who was at, uh, at Majestic Fest? I know they have some good bands on uh, Majestic One Mountain. It was going to be St. Carlos, us, I think Let Them Hang were on. Oh, God, who else was on at that stage? I like St. Carlos a lot. They, they have a really cool sound. Yeah. Uh, and I'm gutted because I never got to go. Uh, and it would have been the, the only time I met Ole Karloff. And unfortunately, sadly, he passed away. So that yeah. kind of gutted me that I, I never got to meet the guy. I spoke to him a lot online and we chatted and stuff. And he was such a cool guy. So, yeah, that kind of gutted me a bit that I never got there. But it will happen again. And since then, Majestic has signed some more amazing acts so i think it will go through like 
what would have been just one night. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a three-day festival and cool. getting, you know, getting Kalela on and all the other bands that Majestic signed and yeah. yeah, cool. But you know, if we can get to Europe, great. But Brexit's not making that any easier, so we'll just keep hammering local gigs. You know, we watch trying. Well, Kalel has a, a new album coming out here shortly too, right? Yes, they've. Uh, I got my copy yesterday, I think, in the post from the boss. Uh, it's fucking awesome. It's, yeah. it's an album, you know. They are a they're a good band, you know. They're better than a good band, and their their Spotify stats are through the the ceiling. It's insane, but yeah. you can tell that they've got a very good business mind about them as well. Uh, you know, so good on them. Yeah, it's a great album, beautifully packaged. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, double vinyl, uh, great artwork by Stephen Yoda, as always. Yeah. Or Yoda. As always. I don't know how to pronounce his second name. I was calling him Stephen Yoda normally. So, uh, <laughs> we, talked about, we talked about him a little bit on the last episode, actually. I, I believe it's Yoda, but I, I haven't yeah. spoken to him. But Sounds good, that Yoda. Yeah. He's a top guy. He's, he's a man. Yeah, he's got, he's got amazing stuff out there everywhere. He's, he's on oh. everything. And one day... You know, I've said to him, we, you know, we will use you on, on one of our things. It's just, you know, the kind of stuff that Shane Horror has done for us. It just didn't quite fit. And then obviously we got to, we, he did the cover for the Wild Fuzz trip. And fucking hell, it was amazing what he came yeah. with. Really yeah. cool. So, yeah, he's a top guy. Shane Horror's is really cool. He's, you know, he's pulled our EPs together with the theme. We wanted it to be a very like Sin City kind of graphic novel vibe. I, yeah, I was going to say Sin City. It definitely has that vibe. I, yeah. I think he, he accomplished that if that was the goal. I think it looks like that for sure. Yeah, and the last one we've, uh, the last piece of artwork for the trilogy, is a, he's done a cracking job again. So cool. jobs are coming. Yeah, they're, they're both pretty great. I, I follow a lot of the art, and and the art in this music is is the best of any genre, if you ask me. And and those two guys for sure, they they kill it. And that's what I love about you know the whole concept still of being able to buy records. You know, you don't get that from a download. You, you when you're buying a record, you're investing something. You're investing your money, but you're investing it in not only. You know, I do, I do find coloured vinyl quite weird. However, you know, if you post a picture of a black record, everyone's like, oh, what do you need? It's a black record. It's like black vinyl matters, mate. You know, it's where it all began. You know, coloured vinyl was, was rare as rocking horse shit back in the day. And now, unless it's pressed up on 15 different coloured variants, no fuckers interested. So, well, I think for a while it didn't sound as good as black, right? And then now they've kind of refined the process. Yeah. And it's supposed to be pretty pretty comparable, I believe. Yeah, it's like with picture discs. Apparently picture discs sound absolute dog shit but now you can get away with it coloured vinyl you know we did a, a glow in the dark edition we rip it up and the first pressing uh, they changed it for the when they when they did the repress and they did the second glow in the dark they'd already invented like this new glowy plastic that sounded better and stuff so yeah and I guess that's and they do look pretty they do look very pretty but yeah. you know you're investing in that artwork there's nothing better than getting a double album and opening it up and seeing all the artwork and stuff you don't get that on a download and yeah yeah and, and you you invest you invest in the band for one thing and you invest in the artwork, you invest in the whole package, but you invest your time listening to it. It's hard to just put on an album and listen to a song and then walk away. You kind of yeah. invest your time to listen to an album. And I consume a lot of music while I work or while I work out or while I mow the lawn or while I drive. A lot of different things that I, I can't listen to vinyl that way. Yeah. But I do make it a point, though, to put on an album, on whether it's on a playlist or on Spotify or anything else, and listen to the whole album all the way through. Because it, it sounds different. If you just hear a song, it sounds a certain way. And if you hear it in the middle of, you know, eight other songs, it sounds different. Yeah, you get, most the, whole package, you get the, whole, the whole concept. And I think that's important sometimes. Most bands write an album, you know, and, and put a, the list of songs together in a certain order for that album to run in that order, you know. So when you listen to them out of concept of the album, sometimes it can jar a bit. Uh, and I think, you know, I went through a bit of a stage of falling into the impulse buy. Oh, there's a pre-order up. There's only 60 copies. I best get it. Oh, God. Uh, but now what I do is I invest the time. I will listen to it digitally uh, for a bit. And then if it really gets me and I think, actually, yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm going to spend 25 quid on that. If I've spent 25 quid of my money, I'm going to sit and listen to that thing, you know, a lot. Uh, and And, you know. And rightly so, you know, it's vinyl ain't cheap anymore. 
but it's worth it for what you get with it. So sort of do you have a routine for listening to music? Do you light a cigar and get a glass of whiskey and sit and listen, or do you do you you know do chores or what? What's your routine for listening to music? Uh, music is such a huge part of my day to day life. From the minute the alarm clock goes off, which is the radio. Uh, I get in the car, I drive to work, I've got Spotify on or Bandcamp or whatever. Uh, when I'm driving around at work, music. As soon as I get in, I tend to put a record on when I'm popping around in the kitchen. I've got like a back room that I've kind of commandeered in the house as my room. So it's got all my guitars in it and my record player and stuff. So, you know, I'll put a record on while I'm, I'm in the kitchen and stuff. If I'm not, I've got like Alexa playing music. But what I love on a Friday night, is about sort of half seven, eight o'clock. The family disperses into our own little spaces and I'll sit in the back room and I'll pick two or three albums and I'll crack a beer open. I'll put the phone down and I'll just sit and just get lost in music, as it were. Mm-hmm. That's that's. But I love, I do, you know, my dad, God rest his soul, he loved listening to ACDC while doing housework. So that's become a bit of a thing I've carried on. I'll stick uh, I'll sit, let there be rock on and get the, the hoover out and give it some air guitar while dusting and hoovering. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, I just listen to music all the damn time. Yeah. I just can't imagine, I can't, my life will be so bizarre without music. And that's been like that ever since I can remember, you know, always my parents were big into music and that's how I got into music. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I, I've been fortunate to work remotely for God, like like seven years now, long before COVID. And I I have my own office here. My office is where I'm at currently, and and to be able to go upstairs, close the door, and start playing music like the second I get up here at six in the morning or seven in the morning, you know, and listen to it all day. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine now like getting to an office where you're in a cubicle and you. I mean, you could put headphones on, but that's not always you know encouraged yeah. you're supposed to be Deep participating in, in the environment but you know i couldn't imagine going to work and not being able to blast my own music for like eight hours a day or or listen to podcasts or, or anything else you know that i do but i couldn't imagine yeah. not having that part of it now at this point now we're office we have to listen to uh what's radio two she's very sort of in the middle and it plays a lot of shit but yeah. occasionally they'll talk a good song in but you know i can't really sit at work saying oh of this newer track by Artiaga is amazing. It's about sexy, sexy cannibals. Do you want to listen to it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I don't blame them for not playing my type of music, but like, <laughs> I'd rather listen to nothing than pop music. You know, like I, I, I understand why you don't like mine, but no one will ever understand why I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, but again, it, I'd rather it's on in the background, and then as soon as I get in the car, bang, I get Spotify on, and yeah. just something that I I want to listen to on. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or going to the gym, you know, it, it, it all it all sounds different too. But what you're doing, like if I listen to something while I'm working out, I really get a different feel for it than while I'm at my computer working, you know. And I feel like I almost have to do all of it. Listen to it in a car. What does it sound like while you're driving? And listen to it while I work out. What does it sound like when you do that? And it all it gives you a different idea about the song when you hear it in different environments, I feel like. Definitely. I mean, it's like when the Sleep Moscow album that Majestic Mountain Records just put out. The first time I heard that was just digitally uh, on Spotify. And it still blew me away. I thought it was an amazing album. You know, it's one of my favorite albums of the year, the Sleep Moscow one. But when I got the record and I put that on, wow, it was just like, it was like listening to it all over again, brand new ears. Yeah. You know, Pick out things that you can't quite hear in the digital versions and stuff because I think maybe because of you know I'm giving it that time and attention, your ears pick up on different stuff. But yeah, you know, you watch a video on YouTube, it's like when I Maiden's uh, last single came out, it was the big countdown, the big video. I was that engrossed and excited that I kind of missed all the songs. So as soon as the video had finished, I went and listened to it on Spotify, and everyone was like, Oh, the YouTube sounds shit. Yeah, on Spotify, it sounded ace. Yeah, I'm sure when I get it on record, it'll sound even better. And I think, yeah, yeah. you mix them platforms. Or digital serves a purpose, uh, but it doesn't quite sound as good, does it? Right. Have you gotten your your? You have a kid or kids? Have you gotten them into any type of music, or are they kind of off on their own and they don't understand what you're into? <laughs> 
I've got two stepkids, uh, God bless them. I've got uh, Grace, who's 19, and Isaac, who's 11. Uh, I've tried. I have tried hard. Uh, Grace has got better music taste. Uh, she's recently started dating or not recently she dates a bloke a lad who's dead into his rolling stones and his sabbath and stuff so that's kind of cool the 11 year old i've just given up for now you know there's this time you think you know with the amount of times that i'm listening to stuff maybe i've overkilled it but you know there's time for me to get them yet don't you yeah. worry <laughs> i have a i have a five-year-old girl and a two-year-old boy and and, and, you know, the two-year-old boy will just listen to basically whatever I put on. And, and if it's something repeats over and over, he's into it. He's two, you know. But the, the five-year-old girl, a couple years ago, she started really liking, like, Benny and the Jets. Because right. it has kind of that repetitive part, yeah. you know. And now the two-year-old's into, like, Bad to the Bone, again, because that chorus is entertaining, yeah. you know. But part of me still loves it because it's at least like, you know, rock and roll music. Exactly. But now the, now the five-year-old is starting to really get into more like pop music and stuff like that. Really happy stuff. And she, she calls my stuff metallic mu- music and <laughs> the, the loud stuff. She, she doesn't like the loud music that I listen to. And, you I know, guess we have to we're coming back around eventually. Music. She'll start listening to classic rock or whatever. But, you know, it's, it's not getting It's there. all, you know, I'm sure, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I was listening to bands like Adam and the Ants and Madness and, you know, just pop music until, you know, I guess maybe till your ears adjust. And then I remember the first the first album I ever bought, me and my brother went halves on it with our pocket money. And we bought For Those About to Rock by ACDC. And uh, from that, I got like dead into Kiss and all kinds of stuff. But, you know, I think at least they're into something. You know, yeah. at least they're into music, not like listen to anything. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. Listen yeah. to my music then. Oh, I'm not listening to that. But you just said you listen to anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I can't blame him, I guess. I didn't get into like even classic rock until I was in high school, maybe maybe late, like middle school. I don't know, seventh grade, eighth grade, something like that. But, you know. It's There's just, a long it's, way off. Yeah, you got many years ahead. Yeah, you don't, yeah, I don't think you have the ears for it until you get a little bit older, probably. Yeah, you know, Unless, you know, I've catchy. tried to brainwash Isaac into loving Iron Maiden. Uh, and he looks at me gone out like a mental when I'm, you know, got my foot on the sofa pretending it's a monitor going, scream for me. Uh, it, just, <laughs> it just doesn't work for some reason. He just looks yeah. at me and thinks he's And like when his mates will come around, he's like, please don't be weird. Don't be singing Iron Maiden. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go weird now. <laughs> yeah. You said you were, uh, you're also in, in the beer or are you just, uh, I do like a beer, it has been known, yes, uh, to uh, quaff a, a Are you Are you in, into beer? Are you into craft beer? Or you just uh, enjoy the occasional drink? I just support the breweries by buying their products. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it comes hand in hand, I think, with being, a, uh, being in a band and especially doing gigs. Because, you know, you get to a venue stupidly early because they tell you to. You stand around for hours upon end waiting for nothing much to happen. So you have to fill your time with something. Uh, Drinking seems to fit the bill very nicely. So, yes, us as a band, we do like a cheeky schoon. uh, And uh, when we go to the studio, we spend quite a considerable amount of our band budget on refreshments. uh, (laughs) But, you know... What can you do about it? <laughs> but yeah, I love a beer. Uh, and if Brew Dog uh, want to sponsor me, I'm up for. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting for that beer sponsor for this podcast too. Bastards, aren't they? I've drank enough Brew Dog to at least give make them give me three, four cans or something. But right, I'll keep drinking it because I like it. But no, I'm there's not. Some, there's some pretty metal breweries out there, though. There's some guys that are that definitely love. Doom and stoner and and beer, you know, just, just yeah, even well, here in Illinois, there's like three or four that I could name off the side of my head. Old Horntooth, uh, going back to them, they brew a lot of their own beer, and we, oh, really? yeah, we'd spoke about one of the things we'd always wanted to do as a band was have our own beer. Uh, Iron Maiden stole that by coming up with Trooper Beer, which I will probably sue Bruce Dickinson for at some point, uh, and I'm sure he'd be really worried about that. Yeah, we'd always come up with the idea of having like the King's Pistol beer uh, because we love beer and it would be cool to sell. 
but it just never happened. And then we probably would drink all the profits anyway, and it'd be a bit of a disaster, and we'd probably end up massive alcoholics. So we, we talked about investing in a pub, decided that it would probably kill us, so we never bothered with that either. So we'll we'll stay functioning alcoholics. It seems to suit as well. So <laughs> there's a lot of bands that have beers now, though. I played a, a real or fuzz game on like episode four with uh, with Shane. And I only did 10. I only named off 10, but there's there's so many. There's like Deftones, Metallica, like you said, Iron Maiden, Mastodon. There, there's a ton out there. Motorhead has one. Motorhead had one. The only ones I've drank is I've had the Motorhead one. I like that. Uh, I like. I used to love Trooper beer, but bloody hell, it, it, without getting into details, it lays heavy on the stomach. <laughs> Uh, and when we, me and my mate went to see Iron Maiden at Download Festival and we managed to consume 21 pints of Trooper beer before <laughs> Iron Maiden came on, uh, the tents probably have been burnt and probably should never be entered again because the, uh, the toxic gases that escaped uh, following 21 pints of Trooper was not pretty. I'm sure they appreciated that. Yeah. I'm sure they did. He's probably paid for another holiday for Iron Maiden. But yeah, he used to love me Trooper beer, but I like a nice gentle craft ale now. A good IPA is, uh, will get get me through the evening. So. Yeah, I, I tend to go for the darker stuff, the porter, the stout. Whoa. I haven't gotten on the IPAs too much. Uh, see, stouts, for me, stouts are winter drink. You know, oh, I, don't... I, g- I gain like 10 pounds every winter because I just drink a whole bunch of stout and, and it's all it's it is cold weather beer. So every winter I, I pack on like 10 pounds. You know, I can't imagine going to the pub on a session with my mates and going, let's drink 10 pints of stout. Oh, God. No. And they're, they're higher alcohol, too. So instead of 10, it's like five. But yeah, and then I'd be on my ass and it literally I would be in the toilet either being sick or shitting <laughs> Uh, yeah. all that stout so now i'll stick to a session <laughs> session ale yeah all right well let's do this uh real or fuzz game i'm going to show you some album covers and i'm going to show you one at a time and you tell me if it's a real album cover or if it's a slightly fuzzed album cover okay this will be funny <laughs> yours are normally quite crude aren't they so i should be able to get these I'm 48 years old, and you're going to have to make that bigger. Swollen <laughs> balls by you. <laughs> uh, Franz I'd say Franz that. Hand. Franz. Sounds like Franz Ferdinand, uh, so I'm going to say it's a slightly fuzzed one. This one is real. No. Well, Franz Ferdinand have ripped them off then, but Swollen Balls <laughs> is a good, good Swollen part. Balls. I like yeah. that. What kind of vibe are swollen balls? I don't know, actually. I'm, I'm not sure what that sounds like. What's that called? Girls Night. What's the title of it? Friday Night, Saturday Morning. <laughs> uh, it doesn't look like one of yours. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to read your expression. I'm going to go slightly fuzzed. This one is slightly fuzzed. Man, I thought I had to do it for a second. Very arty, that one, mate. <laughs> the Clip Boys. <laughs> we don't play the game. Jesus Christ. Uh, I hope this is a real one. This is real. This is real. <laughs> Again, gonna, I don't know what it sounds like, but. <laughs> I'm going to go on Spotify and find out. Yeah. <laughs> Dog shit. <laughs> Sandwich, murdering <laughs> bastards. Yes, again, I think there's an, uh, an element of reality in that. Yeah, this is real. Yes. Yeah, I can imagine it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I really thought I'd get you on that one, too. No, <laughs> I don't care whether this is real or fake. That is the best damn cover in the world so (laughs) this one is called eternal guardians of the black dragon's lair curse of the warlock's dark potion battle at the princess's chambers chapter one oh my god i can i can hear this band in my head now and i want to see them live i want to i want to meet no no i probably don't want to meet them actually uh but i i would say that this has got to be and if it isn't 
then I'm going to make this band a reality. But I think that's a real, a real one. This is slightly fuzzed. Oh, make it a reality then. I, I, <laughs> I, I wanted to make, I wanted to make this title. I wanted to make this title so obnoxiously long and the name of the band so obnoxiously long, but I didn't, I didn't actually know enough like nerd shit to make it any longer. <laughs> so I did my best. You've done a good job there, mate. It's a, it's a special life. I can imagine what the sound like though. Right. Yeah. That's a real one. It is a real one. Melodies of Dick Cousins. Cous- Cousins. It looks like one of those ones that you get in what we would call a charity shop, which is probably yeah. a, maybe a thrift store. Yeah, thrift store here, yeah. A couple of quid. Sounds like shit. <laughs> <laughs> what colour pressing it was on, though? Oh, that's phenomenal. Uh... John Patterson, who needs you? Nobody. If, he, if he's had a couple of ribs taken out like Prince, he'll be... <laughs> he doesn't need anybody, does he? That lad. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that's definitely from your mind. That is. That looks like Damn. A you, you, you know me too well. That is that is slightly close. <laughs> I told you most of yours are a bit crude, aren't they? <laughs> that's why I like them. <laughs> Gay cowboys in bondage. The completely silly discography. Uh, Again, I'm going to go with real on this one. That one is real. Yes. Uh, I can just, again, very underground, hardcore punk scene. Probably loving it. And I bet the parents are ever so proud when they handed him that vinyl. Said, Look, <laughs> Mom, I've made a record. For gay cowboys and bondage. Uh, Play this for Grandma at Christmas. What's this called? This is called mm. The Meat Shits. <laughs> the name of the album is Take This and Eat It. <laughs> There's a Facebook page I follow called Drawing Cocks on Newspapers. It's basically just people uh, getting newspapers and drawing massive cocks on. That I love is, it. That is phenomenal. Uh, I'm going to say that's one of yours. <laughs> this is real. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, not their only album, by the way. Not their only album. I I might have to use more of their stuff in the future. I think actually. Definitely, yeah, that is a special cover. That. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get me mum into them. Satan was a lesbian. Is this by uh, Atiaga? <laughs> is this uh, by? <laughs> I'm gonna say that's yours. So technically, yes, you're right. This is slightly fuzzed, but this was a novel. And I basically changed nothing on this. Right. Oh. The text, Satan was a lesbian. I didn't even doctor at all. That is the way it was on the front of the novel. Right. The only thing I removed was the by, the word by Fred right. Haley. He's the one that wrote it. So I, I didn't even change that. So technically it's one of mine, but it's also very, very real. Like, can I have one point for that then? I, yeah. Is, is there such a thing as points on this game? <laughs> I don't know what, <laughs> what do I wait for this? All right, this is the last one, I believe. Okay. Ah! <laughs> Fuck's sake. The psychedelic blue thing, baby. Uh, I, I would like to say it was fake, but it was very, very real. <laughs> I was in Cater Toy uh, with my brother, um, my good mate Rick, and a couple of other mates. We, I think we were together for about 10 years, Cater Toy. The name comes from Jim Morrison's grave, apparently. What really? It's what my brother said, but my brother did like a jazz fag too. So I think we <laughs> later found out that he'd made it up and it means absolutely nothing. Uh, but yeah, we were a psychedelic groove thing, mate. <laughs> That's awesome. I couldn't find I couldn't find the music. I couldn't find anything to listen to, so I thought I'd let you tell me about it. Uh, it's, it's best that you didn't, really. Let's put it that way. We, uh, we, did, a, we did a couple of demos. We did songs called Laughing Cow on the Moon about a cow that lived on the moon. I don't really know what we were inspired by. Uh, jazz fags and beer. And uh, I don't know. We had a good laugh. We were probably really shit. Well, I don't know. We didn't make it. <laughs> Ten years, though. Ten years is quite the span for a band that didn't well, make it. Yeah, we, you know, we had nothing else to do. So we we, we kind of got Kate Toy together and we did it for a long time. You know, we, we put a lot of effort into it. Then we kind of, I think we split up for a bit 
and I joined a band called Mo Sevens, which were like a female fronted punk band. And Jim, our drummer, ended up joining on guitars. And then I think we got Kate Toy back together, but it just didn't, it just never, never really happened. But yeah, funny seeing that again. That's I've not seen that for pure time. So. You still have a cassette or anything? Or I have I've probably got a fucking box of them in the cellar, mate. <laughs> You can join a buy one. Hell yeah! <laughs> I gotta, I gotta find a cassette player first. But yeah, uh, we did. It's, it's mad because this is how far me and Jim go back. The drummer, Jim, recorded our first demo on a four-track uh, tape recorder in a. It was like an outbuilding outside a pub that we used to practice. So yeah, Jim recorded uh, that that there demo and I think he might have done the second one we were talking about the other day actually because on the second demo. I ended up playing acoustic guitar for some reason because we decided my brother, who was a guitarist, wasn't good enough to play the acoustic guitar. And Rick, our actual guitarist, also wasn't good enough to play the acoustic guitar. So the obvious choice... Not a good sign for your band. Yeah, the obvious (laughs) choice was me as a bass player who didn't play acoustic guitar. And it was a dead windy day when we recorded it and I had a big piece of tarpaulin outside the back window that you could hear blowing against the window. And I remember saying to Jim... Do you, do you think we should like redo it? Because you can hear that tarpaulin. He was like, "No, it sounds really organic, mate." <laughs> Didn't it? Just sounded. I love sh- it. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Cater uh, Toy, be- best forgotten be- than remembered. So, very cool. I love it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I got for you, man. Uh, I appreciate you. Uh, taking an hour out of your day and hanging with me for a little bit on here. No worries, and, uh, man. I've enjoyed it. It's been nice having a chat. I think we've covered some fantastic topics. Uh, <laughs> and I hope, uh, yeah, it's been good chatting. I've enjoyed it, mate. So thank yeah. you for inviting Is there anything else you want to plug? I know you got the EP coming up here pretty soon. Um, follow you guys on Instagram. Anything else? Follow us on, yeah, Instagram. Follow us on Spotify. We're not on Bandcamp, but we should might be next year. We've got the EP coming out in sort of November, October, November. Uh, and, yeah, just keep an eye on us on Instagram, and uh, we, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, I'll get some more guest slots, which is always good fun. Uh, but other than that, we'll just keep on doing what we're doing, and thank you for all the support. Cool. All right. Thanks a lot, Andy. I appreciate it, and, uh, you know, Enjoy the we'll talk later. Nice one, mate. Try for now. Later. Bye-bye.